everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony Andraki here, and we're joined by Bruce Levine and Andy Martinez. And first up, Bruce, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the podcast this week. I'm doing great. Uh, a little sad that the season ends. I'm always uh, sad when uh, the uh, teams are in Chicago are not in the playoffs, but uh, trying to enjoy the playoffs and look forward to a great off season. Andy, how are you doing? Are you sad as well, or are you enjoying the playoffs? I know you're always a big baseball playoff guy. Yeah, I'm enjoying watching it, but I agree. I'm, I'm with Bruce. You know, I'd love to still be at the ballpark watching these games in person. Uh, it's a little tricky getting to, to Atlanta uh, or, or, or some of these other cities that are hosting uh, playoff games. All right, so let's, you know, kind of shift gears because what you guys were saying, especially what you just said, Bruce, was exactly the sentiment that Jed Hoyer had yesterday, Monday, for his end-of-season press conference that he does not like watching playoff games on his couch because he'd rather be in it. He'd rather see his Cubs team playing on Wrigley Field or, you know, on the road, and he wants to get back there. And it, it just kind of reiterated to him how bad he and the front office want to be back in the postseason. Uh, so, Bruce, we'll start with you. As you sat through Jed's presser yesterday and, you know, almost an hour, what was your main takeaway? Like, what, what stood out to you most from what Jed was talking about as he recapped this 2022 season? Well, you know, to be honest with you, Tony and Andy, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, uh, he, Jed is all about improving the Cubs, and the Cubs appear to have a timetable. I just don't know what that timetable is. Right. I, I think they're cautious uh, executives who uh, don't want to give false uh, impressions to the fans through the media, and therefore they'll probably react in a stealth manner to the offseason but, uh, you know, if they were poker players, I wouldn't know what their hand was at this point. I, I, I don't know if they're going to spend money on free agents or not. I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to make trades or not. I'm not sure if they're going to sign uh, Hap and Horner to long-term deals. Uh, but I, I was encouraged that, um, for his part, Hoyer wasn't really uh, happy with where the Cubs are at and wasn't jumping up and down about the fact that they were 39-31 in the last 70 games. He wasn't making any bold predictions off of that. Just uh, head down, looking forward to continue to get better and build more depth uh, in the organization. So my biggest takeaway is that they're firmly still in this rebuild and that there's probably a year or two left before you see them coming out on that other side. Yeah, I think you're right, Bruce. It, just the fact that... Um when Jed was asked, you know, is there any danger of looking at that 39 and 31 stretch uh, that it was, you know, when against a bunch of teams that were out of the race and he said, yeah, there is some danger in uh, drawing too many conclusions out of that. So I agree. The fact that he did not um, was definitely notable, but Andy, as you, you know, listen through Jed's presser, what, what stood out to you? Like, what did you take away from, from about an hour or so that Jed uh, spoke with the media on Monday? For me, the big thing was when he started talking about the pitching overhaul, right, where, you know, he mentioned where Craig Beslow came in and, and everything kind of on the pitching structure side, whether it was through the minor leagues or at the major league level, was was revamped totally and, and brought in you. Uh, and now we're starting to see the fruit sprouting of, of the, the seeds that were implemented a few years ago. 
that to me was the biggest takeaway. Uh, some slight successes. You think about some of the guys that came up, right? Where you think about it when Javier Assad comes up, someone like Javier Assad comes up, you know, you think it's a spot start and he pitches his way into, you know, finishing out the season at the big league level. Plenty of guys in that, in that boat that, that came up uh, that, that are showing that this pitching infrastructure is real. The big examples too, Justin Seal and Keegan Thompson, when they were healthy, they were success, they were very successful. So that was that was to me the main takeaway that you know he felt very confident in what was being built on the pitching side. And the one thing he mentioned too that was interesting on the pitching side was he said it was further ahead than the than the previous rebuild, right? Where you know the the, the pitching infrastructure was set up. You think about you know what the pitching was like, you know the last time around it was you know you had to go get a John Lester and you had to go get you know, back end, like a John Lackey, back into the rotation guy. Like there was no, you know, pipeline coming through. You're starting to see the, the seeds of that, you know, changing uh, for the for the Chicago Cubs. And and realistically, they need a lot of arms. You think about teams that are in the playoffs right now, like the Dodgers, they used 12 different different starters this year, as, as loaded as their rotation everyone thought was going into the season. They used 12 different starters. Uh, the, the Mets had nine, eight guys make over nine starts this season. So you just need the pitching and, and to see the success that he's mentioned that that was my biggest takeaway from, from Jed. Yeah. For me, I, I think it was just the going a little bit on what you were saying, Bruce is the potential to be a super interesting off season. Like I initially wrote, as I was thinking about this storyline, um, this topic on our podcast is it is going to be a, a very interesting off season for the Cubs. But then I felt like the need to couch it a little bit, you know, kind of going back, like you said, Bruce, is that like there's they could sign Horner or have to an extension. Wilson could accept the qualifying offer and return to the Cubs next year. Cubs could make a big trade or sign big guys. I don't know how likely any single one of those things are, let alone multiple together. But I do think that there is the potential to be a very, very interesting offseason and uh, a normal offseason. And that, I think that's what I'm looking forward to most, obviously, after the lockout last year and the pandemic um, really kind of influencing the offseason two years ago, the potential for the Cubs to do similar to what they did last year, you know, with Seiya Suzuki and Marcus Stroman, among other signings and moves, um, very impactful, both, you know, in the short term and the long term. And so, yeah, I, you know, I do think that that Jed was very um, the way he taught, he spoke about the end of the season was intelligent, right? Like, he said back in August that it was important to finish the season strong to give the front office confidence that the ship was moving in the right direction. Like we said, the Cubs did exactly that, but now it's their turn. It's the front office's turn to, to augment that roster with some moves in free agency or some trades to get some, some frontline talent. So I do think there's a potential. Um, and also, you know, let's see what happens. Like the, as we recorded this podcast, like earlier today or yesterday, the Braves locked up another member of their core and, and Jed has spoken about how the Braves are doing it, you know, so well and, and such a good job of locking up all their core members. So let's see if the Cubs do that as well. Let's see if Nico Horner spends the next 10 years with the Cubs, you know, as he only has a few years left before free agency now and, Ian Happ only has one year left now that 2022 is done. So I think those two guys are probably towards the top of the list in terms of extension candidates. But um, yeah, I think, you know, we'll see. And, and it's, it should be a, a very interesting off season, or at least has all the makings of it. Um, but Bruce, you know, besides like main takeaways, what else kind of stood out from Jed's pressure to you? What else were you kind of drawing from that and trying to apply to, to the off season? Well, just the fact that um, they they don't feel they've accomplished anything yet. 
if you look at the position players on the uh, on the team, I mean, coming back to 2023, Tony, Andy. How many position players can you identify at certain positions right now and say that's for sure? Okay. You might be able to say Suzuki and Wright. Okay. You might be saying Horner is short, but it might be a second, depending Mm -hmm. on whether they acquire a shortstop by free agency or trade. You might say Morrell has earned a spot somewhere. You might say Hap is the left fielder. Or if he's in a situation where he hasn't signed, he's in a lame duck situation and uh, kind of in the Contreras role that he was in all year long. So uh, there, there's plenty of work to be done. The good news is the minor league system is producing some guys that they thought were going to be um, young star players and some that they were shocked to see moving along. And there seems to be not only guys quote unquote but some high quality guys some left-handed bats some things that are intriguing that are coming uh, rather quickly in the, in the cub minor league system so from that perspective you can't get too crazy interested in it but you sure have to pay attention Andy, how about from you what else besides you know your main takeaway of pitching as you mentioned before what else from jed's presser stood out what else should fans take away from that 55 minutes that he talked yeah, you guys touched on it, but just that the see, I, I took it a little differently than you, Bruce, but I, I almost took it as cautiously optimistic in a way, right? Where it seemed like there was, you know, not a ton. It wasn't rah rah, look at the 70 game stretch, look at what we did. It's more like, yes, we had a good 70 game stretch. But as you mentioned, the schedule, as you mentioned, the, the, the you know, what was going on around them, they did sweep the Mets, they did sweep the Phillies. There's, there's, there's you know, things to take away of that. But what's that environment like, you know, when you're three games uh, out of a playoff spot, things like that, when you're playing maybe a little bit more tense, you're not as loosey-goosey as, as you may have been. To me, that was just the, the overall tone that I took from Jed was that there's some cautious optimism where there's, you know, there's a lot of great, you know, potential pieces, as, as you mentioned, Bruce, maybe say a Suzuki in right field, Nico Horner up the middle somewhere. Christopher Morrell somewhere, Jan Gomes behind the play, uh, maybe Wilson Contreras platooning with him. You, there's there's pieces there, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you add one player and boom, it's, you know, 90 wins in your playoff team. There's there's just some cautious optimism, and that's kind of what I took from 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 Jed as a whole uh, in his 55 minutes or so, whatever uh, exactly time was it was when he spoke. Yeah, I think definitely cautious, cautiously optimistic. Um is probably a good way to sum up where Jed's at, you know, obviously realistic too, as, as we were talking about as well. And as Bruce mentioned um, for me, another thing that kind of stood out was not necessarily something I thought about going in, but just how cognizant he and the Cubs front office seem to be and probably front offices around baseball are with the new rule changes, which with pitch clock, with bigger bases, um, with the shift or the banning of the shift rather, and the understand, you know, the need to, to get more athletic up the middle, particularly with your middle infield and how speed can come back into the game more, how base running and stolen bases uh, have kind of matriculated back into being more important because of the bigger bases, because of, you know, a limit on how many times a pitcher can throw over to first base and, and uh, attempt pickoffs, all these different things. And and yeah, like, you know, like we said, Bruce, you were just mentioning, Nico Horner could be the starting shortstop for the Cubs next season. 
or they could sign one of these top free agent shortstops, move Nico over to second base, and you probably have the makings of the best middle infield defense in the game, or at least close to it, because Nico is, you know, a well above average middle infielder. We've already seen him be a gold glove finalist at second base. Uh, it's very possible he's a gold glove finalist at shortstop this year as well. And then you take, you know, you put that into the equation without shifts and the Cubs could be in a very, very good spot. And then, yeah, base running. I mean, they understood this year that, that they needed to push the envelope a little bit more and guy like Nico Horner, you know, stole 20 bases and other guys like Christopher Morrell and say Suzuki, Ian Happ, you know, stole bases at various points, Patrick wisdom as well. So, you know, incorporating that more into speed but then just how these rule changes affect roster building and how Jed and, and Carter Hawkins and the rest of the Cubs front office views that this offseason so I did think that that was pretty interesting Jed touched on that on a couple of different times uh, throughout his press conference so definitely will be something to watch and and defense I think in general is a huge thing for the Cubs because um, as we know you know they have a lot of pitching but they need to catch the ball behind them especially if they cannot shift anymore and, so, and uh, you know, adding on to what you said, Tony, uh, taking some of the things that Andy said along the way as well. Um, yes, they did steal a lot of bases. Yes, they uh, they probably led the league or were second in stolen bases in the National League. But Hoyer, one of the bigger takeaways was he said that it was not a good base running team, right. and that has to improve. And I think that was the hesitation with the coaches. Uh, he the, the bigger takeaway was that he's not automatically bringing back all the coaches. So, you know, will there be a change in, uh, you know, infield coaches? Will there be a change in uh, uh, base running coaches? Will, will they uh, keep those guys and augment it by bringing other guys in to support uh, those areas? Those are the things that we're waiting on here. And uh, I, I think if there was any minor shock for me, it was that uh, he wasn't ready to say that uh, all the coaches uh, are coming back in the same position they were in. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're right, Bruce. We heard the same thing from David Ross about base running. You know, like the very first thing he said when asked about it on the final homestand was not good enough, like made too many mistakes. So there'll absolutely be a focal point for the Cubs this winter. And like we said, maybe as they're building the roster as well, you know, speed is becoming more important than it has been probably at any other point in the past decade or so based off of these new rule changes. So it'll be fascinating to see how Jed in the front office approach that. Um, that being said, Bruce, I know this is kind of an open-ended question, but what are you expecting from the Cubs this off season? Well, I'm expecting them to, uh, to go out there and, and probably find some uh, solid, starting position players and by that I mean is is this the year that we see Brendan Davis come up and start playing center field will he do enough in the fall league will he be healthy enough well has he proved enough by uh playing in triple a or he hasn't been there all that long because of injuries does he have to start the season there so I, I think the progression of uh younger players coming up we're, we're going to see more of that uh, who is the first baseman on this team? I don't see it right now. Uh, who is the catcher in this team? As Andy said, and rightfully so, Gomes is under contract for one more year, and he did a phenomenal job catching 69 games. But who catches the lion's share of the games if you don't have two guys like Contreras and Gomes on the team? Uh, do they have to go out and trade for one in their system? Do they trust Almaya? coming back from numerous injuries 
to be that guy? I, th- I think that's that's a big question in the offseason is uh, how does the catching line up when you know you're going to have a 36-year-old starting catcher, albeit a terrific one who did a great job for them, but that's certainly not the future of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, for sure. And Andy, when you look at this offseason, what are you expecting the Cubs to do? What should fans be expecting from this team? I think that I wrote it down. The biggest thing that I expect from this offseason from the Cubs is you're going to hear in quotes the word the Cubs a lot throughout the, the offseason, whether it's in rumors, whether it's in you know discussions, trade discussions, whether it's whatever. It's going to be a little bit more active than it was last year. Obviously, last year was there's a lockout that prevented you know, all the rumblings and, and, and rumors that, that usually occur in the offseason from happening. But this year, I think you're going to be hearing the Cubs name thrown around. Are they going to get the finish? Are they going to get over the finish line with a lot of these deals? Maybe not. But I think you're going to see them being more active player in, in a lot of positions because, as Bruce mentioned, you know, there's, there's plenty of holes on the roster that, that can be filled through free agency or through trade uh, that, that the Cubs are going to want to pursue uh, in order to improve their ball club especially if, you know, as Jed Hoyer's mentioned, it, it kind of fits within their timeline and, and makes sense not only for the short term, but for the long term as well. Yeah, you know, I think I agree with both of you guys. And that's what I have written down is I just expect the Cubs to add some serious talent. And along the lines of, you know, I think at the very minimum is like a Stroman Suzuki type offseason like we saw last year. And, you know, like you said, Andy, given the full offseason, assuming there's not a 99 day lockout, more more time for rumors more time for you know conjecture and speculation and all of that and I do expect the Cubs to be at least listed and rumored in markets for you know assuming DeGrom opts out and is a free agent or if Carlos Rodon is or you know any of those big free agent shortstops and who knows maybe they're randomly thrown into the Aaron Judge thing I, I don't necessarily see a perfect fit there between the two sides but I just expect the Cubs to be adding some talent uh, at some point, I think, you know, up and down the lineup or up and down the organization, there is some depth. And, and it goes back to what you guys both mentioned before and Andy, especially on the pitching side. And there are some young prospects like Bruce, you mentioned Brennan Davis coming out, Matt Mervis, maybe close, you know, Alexander Canario. There are some guys that are close, some young talent that could impact the, the team in Chicago next season, maybe even beyond. But what the Cubs need is that frontline talent. They need star power and that was something that Hoyer mentioned as well as like they do need star power they you know a guy like Soto Juan Soto is not going to be available Freddie Freeman signed a big long-term deal with the Dodgers but like getting players like that is important for the Cubs moving forward I can't guarantee that that's going to happen this winter but I do think that it's you know more likely now than than really over the last five six years at least um, that they add somebody of, of that level some some star power to this uh, roster for sure. But Bruce, you know, you mentioned before, especially in first base, uh, but as you look at the rest of this roster, what are the biggest areas that you think the Cubs need to address this winter? I think they have to make a a commitment one way or another to Ian Happ. Is he the leader of the Chicago Cubs? Uh, He certainly stood tall as the leader this year and solidified his uh, game all the way around defensively, as well as uh, being able to be a line drive hitter both the left and right side make more contact. So uh, it's all there, but he is a free agent as of November, 2023. So uh, is he, is he somebody you're going to hang your hat on here or uh, because you're still in a rebuild, does he bring you back to really uh, good young prospects again over the winter in a trade? Uh, 
I don't think his value could be too much higher than it is right now. He's shown that he can hit from both sides. He's shown that he can play a solid left field, and he's only 27 years old. Um, those are all great things that people would want to trade for. Uh, the fact that he's going to be a free agent kind of diminishes it a little bit, but uh, you know he, he could be a final piece for a team that's looking for an outfielder out there. So uh, if they take a step that way, I'll ask both of you guys, and maybe Andy, you answer first. If they trade Hap, will that be a, a good or a bad sign to, to Cub fandom? You know, that's a really good question. I think it could be I think it could be both. It could be a good thing in the sense of what your return is. It could be a bad thing in the sense that, you know, we've seen what his impact is in the clubhouse. We've seen what his performance on the field is like. You know, I thought this 2022 was was huge for Ian Happ and, and impactful for him becoming an all-star. The, his journey from, you know, first-round pick to getting to the major, struggling, coming back, seeing flashes in a pan of, of what he can be to this season being, you know, what he what the Cubs thought he would be. You know, there's there's a ton of value in, in what he brings from both sides of play. His defense has improved dramatically. So to, to answer your question, uh, maybe not answer your question, Bruce, it, it's, it's good and bad. It could be good and bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think in the short term, probably bad for, <clears throat> excuse me, bad for Cubs fans in the sense that, you know, 2023, like we said, is a real shot to be, a year, depending on what the Cubs make, you know, the moves they make this offseason, a real shot at like competing and contending. And I not necessarily as a World Series favorite, I think a lot would have to happen and go right in order for anybody to consider the Cubs a World Series favorite next year. But, you know, I mean, it took 87 wins only for the Phillies to make the playoffs this season in the NL. Like that's that's an increase of 13 from where the Cubs were this year. Obviously, that's a lofty goal. But it's not altogether crazy if you add talent, if things break right, if maybe they're a bit healthier. Again, things have to go right. But, like, that would be much tougher to do if you trade Ian Happ. Uh, I think, you know, next season, just the fact that they already do not have much left-handed impact in the lineup and him being a switch hitter, you know, he, he does that. He could be a gold glove defender in left field. As we mentioned, he's a leader in the clubhouse as well. And just provided a stable, consistent presence uh, that both Hoyer and David Ross have, have commended over this season. So I do think it'd be bad in the short term. Again, like Andy said, depending on the, the return in the long term, I think it could be uh, a good thing depending on, you know, other moves they make. Because one of the things and that I look at as the biggest area of need for the Cubs this winter, to be honest, is center field. Like their defense wasn't very good this year in center field. And I know Christopher Morell is new to that spot and Nelson Velasquez is, uh, maybe better suited for a corner outfield spot in the future, but locking down center field and maybe that stable leadoff hitter, like an option out there is a guy like Brandon Nimmo, you know, a left-handed hitter. He's going to be a free agent, great defender in center, stable leadoff hitter gets on base a ton. Like, you know, as you look at the roster right now, maybe hard to, to see the Cubs locking a guy like that up long-term when you have half in Suzuki already. And, you know, Brennan Davis and Alexander Canario are knocking on the door in the outfield Peter Armstrong may only be a couple years off, but you know, again, maybe, maybe if a half is dealt or something like that, if, if they go down that path, then Brandon Nimmo is another guy that they go with. So, um, you know, it, really interesting question, Bruce. And I think that in a lot of ways it will define the off season. If they do give half an extension, if they do nothing and kind of stand pad and let them go into next season. Um, I, I think it'll, 
it, it has the potential to give us a, a nice indicator of where the Cubs feel like how close they are and where they, they truly believe 2023 is for them. Um, but Andy, I'll kind of segue to you. Like, what do you see as the biggest areas of need for the Cubs this winter? For me, it's innings. Um, and, and as Judd mentioned, I think, I think his word was impactful innings or, or significant innings. Um, I think that means at the front of the rotation and, and at the, and at the bullpen, right. You know, the veteran having that veteran pitching on both sides is important. We saw what, what Stroman did uh, when he was healthy and what he was capable of in the first half. We saw what having someone like David Robertson or Michael Gibbons or Chris Martin healthy and, and available did, did to the bullpen. You know, I think that's something that they, they, and Jed mentioned it, you know, especially on the bullpen side, you know, adding some veteran pieces to the young guys, you, you need to add the pitching because as I mentioned earlier, you can never have enough pitching and, and adding, you know, uh, some of, you know, whether it's a frontline rotation starter or, or someone in the Stroman ask, you know, it, it builds your, your rotation tremendously and it gives you so much credibility and, and the ability, the flexibility to, to be creative with someone like Keegan Thompson with Edward Alzali and, and build your, build your pitching staff to, to cover innings for a 162 game season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are some potential, you know, top of the rotation type stars out there. So it'll be fascinating to see if the Cubs are shopping in that market uh, or really how they address, you know, pitching this winter. Got a couple guys like Drew, Drew Smiley and Wade Miley are free agents as well and made huge impacts in the clubhouse on and off the field this season. So um, it'll be fascinating to see what the Cubs do. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, the three of us are going to take a little rewind and look at the 2022 season, some of the top moments, and then we're going to finish this podcast with a bold prediction for the offseason. So stay tuned. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take a card. $300. Get your exclusive card at wintrust.com slash cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Everybody, we're back with the Cubs Weekly Podcast, and we're going to do a little rewind here and reflect on the 2022 season. So, Bruce, let's start with you. Best moment of the 2022 Cubs season. What was it? Well, the best moment would have to be the the series at the end of the year against the Mets. Okay, to me, I know it's more than one moment, but it – it, uh, it showed uh, what a team like the Cubs building toward wanting to be like the Mets, wanting to be like the Phillies, who they also swept, and, and how it altered the Mets season to the point where it made them the wild card in essence, and it made them also out after the first round. Uh, that, that's so significant, and, and I think the Cubs could hang the, their hat on the fact that Although they're not the Mets yet, they might not quite be the Phillies, but that they're a lot closer than people might think to being a very good ball club in the National League. Uh, I'm not saying they're the Dodgers. I'm not saying uh, they're Atlanta. But as Andy pointed to, you know, getting people signed up, identifying the young players in the organization, signing them early, and building more and more of those. So I think that's that's that was a significant part for me uh, of of the season for the Chicago Cubs. Andy, how about you? What was the best moment of the year? 
for me, it was Hayden Wisniewski's immaculate inning in Pittsburgh. I thought that was a really fun moment. Not only because I'd never seen an immaculate inning, but then just the, the story behind it. Hayden Wisniewski was ecstatic, looks at Jan Gomes. He's like, yeah, have you ever done one of those? And Jan kind of pops his balloon going, yeah, I've, I've caught like four or five immaculate innings. <laughs> so I thought it was just a funny, uh, you know, veteran rookie interaction. And, and Hayden was great afterwards, you know, just being just telling us that story and his joy to his kind of disappointment. But very, very cool moment, very fun moment uh, to, to experience an immaculate inning. Yeah, no, that was cool for sure. I, I like both of those moments. Uh, but for me, it was the 21 to nothing victory on April 23rd over the Pirates. Uh, obviously something that does not happen every year. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was a kind of an impactful day. It was my birthday. And Andy, I think something else interesting happened that day, right? Yeah, that was, that was the day I got married. And uh, that was actually <laughs> the one I was going to go with. But I didn't know if it was too, you know, self-serving to go with that one or I, I to, got you. to toot our horn too much. So I appreciate you taking that one. Yeah, I got you. I, I tee you up there. Um, but no, that, I mean, that was just such a cool game. And honestly, something that like, even though I wasn't at it because I was at your wedding, it's it's a game that I'll remember for a very long time. Uh, just the way they did it. I mean, they had so many hits throughout the afternoon. So uh, really impactful game memory that I'll definitely keep for a while. But Bruce, as we go on to the next thing here, the most important on-field development for the Cubs in 2022, what do you think it was? I don't think it's close. It's Nico Horner playing a full season at shortstop. And uh, as you guys pointed out, uh, not only playing there, but as you said, Tony, uh, possibly a gold glove shortstop again after being a candidate at second base a couple of years ago during the uh, pandemic shortened season. Him not only establishing himself but you know playing twice as many games as he ever played before and uh also taking a, a hold of some leadership on this team as well so to me that was uh, tremendously significant and uh just as as you guys when you talk to him i'm sure you feel the same way such a thoughtful guy such a yep. team first guy uh an ideal guy who uh, honestly has outkicked his coverage uh, as far as many scouts that I talked to opinion of what he would be like. That a lot of people thought that that was a, 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 a they went way over drafting him number one uh, back when he was drafted by the Cubs, and that he would be a nice utility player in the in the major leagues maybe, but not a, a starting player. Certainly not the arm for shortstop, and he's shown that he had plenty of arm the way that he's gone about him building himself up uh, into a, a younger, stronger baseball athlete. So that was totally impressive to me. I, I don't think anybody could, could outdo what he did. Happens is a close second, but I think for the future, it's uh, Nico Horner in short. Yeah, it was kind of funny, Bruce, to your point about how team first he is. Like Hoyer was joking that Horner gets annoyed when people talk about him and not about the team because he just is all about winning and all about the team and he's been that way I mean I remember one my first impression of him when he got called up in 2019 was exactly that like you ask him about himself and he kind of clams up you ask him about the team and he just unloads and starts talking a lot and so that definitely speaks to who he is uh for sure and I mean you know back to your point too like I think one could argue he's the greatest draft pick of Theo and Jed's tenure in the front office. I mean, Chris Bryant was kind of a no brainer at number two overall. And, you know, even guys like, like Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber and, um, you know, Almora didn't go on to have as, as impactful of a big league career, but Nico obviously at 24 was, was 
a surprise to some and I playing huge, you know, paying huge dividends right now. But Andy, for you, what is the most, what was the most important on-field development for the Cubs? Well, I had Nico Horner as my top, but just to kind of differentiate, I'll go, I'll go with the pitching staff in the second half. You know, we talked about their, their 39 and 31 run. That was all due to the starting pitching Eric, excuse me, the pitching overall starting pitching at a two, eight, nine ERA in, in that stretch, third best in baseball and their overall pitching staff at a 3.3 3, 3 uh, ERA, which is the fifth best in baseball in that time. Seeing the development of the pitching when when guys like Drew Smiley, Wade Miley, Kyle Hendricks all went down, I thought that, that to me was the, the biggest on-field development for, for the Cubs in 2022. Yeah, I, I agree that I had pitching as well, but really just pitching development and the homegrown arms because there was such a storyline surrounding the Cubs for years that they couldn't develop pitching and there were no impact arms coming up through the system and arriving at Wrigley Field. And we saw, you know, Javier Assad come to the big leagues and, and break out. Steele and Thompson really took major steps in, in multiple different roles for Thompson. And for Steele, I mean, he, you know, he was the best pitcher in the National League for two months before he went on the IL. Hayden Wisniewski was not a homegrown arm but he was the return for a homegrown arm in, in Scott Efros in that deal. Brandon Hughes, Michael Rucker, Adrian Sampson broke out, like Mark Leiter, an under-the-radar pickup. A lot of guys up and down that made me um, really kind of, you know, turn my head and, and realize, like, you know, the Cubs pitching infrastructure, since Craig Breslow has taken over the last three years, they really have something here. And obviously, you know, we'll see how that plays out next year, that nothing's guaranteed, but – I think it was a major, major win in 2022 for the pitching development overall throughout the organization. Um, I kind of touched on this a bit, so I won't expand any further. But for me, you know, we're going to go to most impactful roster move. I think just trading Scott Efros for Hayden Wesneski, it was a surprise for me. But um, something that that has a potential to pay major dividends down the road, especially because now we, we hear that Scott Efros has to undergo Tommy John surgery, which is a major blow to a, a good guy, a guy who's been through a lot of adversity. And I know the Cubs are certainly wish him well and hope, um, you know, he has a quick recovery as quick as he can after Tommy John. But Wesneski looks like a major piece of the future for the team. So I think that was the most impactful roster move of the season. Bruce, what do you got for the Cubs? Well, I'll go with Christopher Morrell, a guy that nobody was talking about, promoted from double A early in the year and had an immediate impact, not only with the skills that he has, you know, he hit 16, 17 home runs and, you know, he showed, uh, you know, power and ability to different positions. We don't know he's going to play for sure. The joy that he brought to the team, uh, you know, just people were commenting right away about how he introduces everybody himself to everybody and, ingratiates himself with everybody and hugs everybody. Uh, it was it was the guy that caught on with Cub fans right away, I think, at the beginning of the year. And uh, certainly certainly a big surprise, almost a big surprise is that horn of uh, that guy behind me. But uh, honestly, uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly uh, a, a guy that has a place on the Chicago Cubs going forward. Andy, what about you, the most impactful roster move? I think for me, it was Jan Gomes for, for two reasons. We, we look back at 2021 and, and the backup catcher position, how tough that was for, for the Cubs and yeah. for Wilson Contreras and the significance it had there. This year, how, how much Jan Gomes helped, not only to, to give Wilson some rest, but when Wilson went down in the second half, you know, he, Jan Gomes stepped up and the pitching staff didn't miss a beat. Pitching, pitchers were always complimenting him. Coaches were complimenting his game calling. I thought that was, that was 
you know, at the time was very well documented his signing, but I think at the end of the day, it kind of went under the radar, just how big signing Jan Gomes was. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think you're right, Andy, like really just the fact that he solidified the backup catcher spot after such a uh, turnstile in 2021, I think is massive. And, and he's, back for next year as well. So, and also an option for 2024. So he could be the catcher, you know, a backup catcher or more moving forward. Biggest surprise of 2022. I'll go with mine first here, just because Bruce, you touched on it with Christopher Morrell. He was not a guy that was on my radar at all. You, you know, obviously on the 40 man roster, but he had only played 10 games above double a coming into this year. And that was all at the end of last year. I, I just did not see him making an impact, let alone making an impact in mid-May, and then sticking through the rest of the season, leading off for about a month or, or longer, playing all over the field, like all these different things. I, I didn't see that coming at all with Morrell. I, I did think he could be a guy down the line that certainly could be a utility role player. I didn't see that coming in 2022. So uh, fascinating development, really great kid overall, and really great win for the Cubs player development system. But Bruce, what did you have for biggest surprise from the season? The biggest surprise for me was uh, the way that uh, Kyle Hendricks struggled yeah. at the beginning of the year. And eventually, you know, toward the end of May and June, uh, we found out, you know, he was dealing with shoulder problems, missed, uh, missed uh, quite, a, quite a bit of time before. Uh, it was uh, proven out that he had shoulder issues and would eventually uh, miss the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, we, we, we've uh, gotten so spoiled by Kyle Hendricks being the Mr. Consistency on the Cubs that uh, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of floored that uh, for the second, you know, second half of last year wasn't great for Hendricks either. So I was surprised that he struggled to begin 2022. Hopefully, uh, after getting this thing cleaned up and and a lot of rest, that he's going to come back and, and be a strong part of the uh, Cubs rotation moving forward. It's it, to look at Kyle Hendricks and know that, you know, he's going to be starting uh, 2023 as his what is it is eighth or ninth year as a Chicago Cub uh you look at still has that young face but he's he's throwing a lot of innings there's a lot of miles out there and I'm hoping he comes back strong for them next year but that I was I was surprised by the beginning struggle for Kyle Hendricks at the beginning of 2022. Yeah, no, me too. I really thought that uh, he was going to rebound after the way the end, the last season ended because he had such a great stretch for about three months in the middle of last year. And I thought he was primed to, you know, be the opening day starter and carry this rotation. So uh, obviously didn't turn out that way. But Andy, what do you have? What was your biggest surprise from the year? Sticking with pitching, I'm going to go with Adrian Sampson. You know, DFA twice this season, uh, once by the Cubs, once by the Mariners. And then he comes back in September and October, makes seven starts, uh, 1.63 ERA, 1.03 whip. Uh, to me, that was just incredible, the, the run he went on where, you know, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last, you know, month or so. And you really think about it, he solidified a, a place, you know, as long as he has health, as long as, you know, nothing crazy happens uh, in the 2023 pitching staff in some capacity. I thought that was, to me, you know, a big revelation for, for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cubs MVP next up, Bruce, who was that most valuable player for the Cubs this season? Well, I'm going to go back to Horner because I think he just anchored that infield with, without a good short starting shortstop uh, to anchor it and uh, to solidify the defense. No, no team looks good out there. And, and I thought just the way that uh, he played the position 
and solidified the team with his bat. You know, I think he was the fifth or sixth hardest guy to scout in baseball. Uh, just hard contact. I continue to see him growing power-wise. I think he's a 15 to 20, 25 home run guy eventually. But uh, to me, that that was uh, – he, he was the MVP because I, I don't think the, the pitching production would have been uh, as good without a, a, a great starting shortstop like he was this year. Yeah, for sure. I actually had Nico as well. And, um, you know, 10 homers, 20 stolen bases, like 280 hitter. Uh, like you said, Bruce, hard to strike out. I think easy choice for me that he was the MVP and uh, has the potential to be the MVP on the team moving forward, especially depending on who they, they signed. But I think one of the most important players, if not the most important player on the roster uh, moving forward for the next few years. Andy, who was your most valuable player from the Cubs season? I had a split vote between Nico Horner and Ian Happ, partially because I knew that uh, Nico Horner would probably be getting a lot of vo votes from yes. the rest of the, the voting contingency. But Ian Happ, you know, 4.3 war this season. You know, we talked about the gold glove level. 42 doubles this year was really incredible. When you when you think about the sheer number of doubles that is, you, you have 25. You, you, you're patting yourself on the back. 42 is was incredible for me and Hap. We saw him grow as a leader too, the impact he had on the clubhouse. So for me, for all those reasons, I'm going to go with the split vote of Nico Horner and Ian Hap. All right, Bruce, Cy Young. Who was the Cubs Cy Young from the year? Well, the Cy Young award winner for the Cubs would, in my mind, have to be uh, Justin Steele. He, he was just dominant and, uh, you know, he was just what they needed after, you know, showing up in 2021 and then establishing himself uh, as a, as a important, as you pointed out, uh, dominant pitcher for a good portion of 2022 with the Cubs being a left-hander uh, you know, all those things that, that make him good. And, and just to watch him uh, with his mound presence, him and Thompson both just to go from young pitchers with a hope to go get, major league hitters out to watching them confidently go on the mound and saying, I'm getting you out. I thought he was, I thought he was the winner and I thought he was uh, the most significant pitcher for the Cubs this year. Yeah. Bruce, you're living rent free in my head. Cause that's exactly who I got. To. <laughs> Justin Steele was uh, my Cubs Cy Young vote here as well. Um, you know, he was a guy that wasn't even guaranteed a rotation spot going into spring training. I think it was pretty obvious by the time, you know, the shortened spring training ended that he was, an obvious choice for the rotation, but yeah, we just didn't really know what to expect. And now the way he finished the season, even though he missed the last five, six weeks with a back injury, he's a guy that I very well could see starting a playoff series for the Cubs, you know, whether that's 2023 or, or beyond uh, he's a guy I could see being like a game two game three starter, maybe even game one, if he continues to ascend. Um, but yeah, he, he's a major development for the Cubs rotation looks like a very good long-term piece for that starting staff. Andy, who did you have? Who was the Cubs Cy Young? Was it Adrian Sampson, like you mentioned, or, or somebody else? And, uh, I'm not, not uh, you know, I went for the full, as close to full body of work as, as I could. So I went with Marcus Stroman. Okay. You know, if, if the Cy Young was just September and October, it's no brainer, it's Adrian Sampson. But no, <laughs> it, it, Marcus Stroman, 3.5 ERA, 115 whip this season. And really, once he uh, overcame that bout of COVID he had early on in the season, he was the Marcus Stroman of old, 2.56 ERA, 1.11 whip in those 16 starts after after he returned from COVID. 
the Cubs got exactly what they had signed for as soon as he came back from COVID. And if, if he has that in 2023, that, that bodes well for the Chicago Cubs. All right, let's have some fun before we wrap up this pod. Bold prediction for the Cubs offseason. Bruce, hit me with your bold prediction. Tony, my bold prediction is that the Cubs sign a free agent shortstop. There's a lot of good ones out there. I think Trey Turner is the guy that would be uh, the leader and the guy that would turn things around. And don't forget, it doesn't mean that Nico Horner doesn't play shortstop. It means because uh, you remember Turner going to the Dodgers, he played second base when they had an all-star shortstop and Kyle Seeger over there. So from, from that perspective of what he does defensively, what he does offensively, on the bases, been on a championship team, uh, that type of leadership for a pretty young guy still, I think that would be the bold move that the Cubs can make, showing that they're right around the corner of being a contender. Yeah, that would be a fun move to cover for sure. Andy, what do you got? Bold prediction for Cubs offseason. Well, I just want to preface it by saying my bold prediction for, for the pitching last season uh, on this podcast was the Cubs would get Marcus Stroman. Um, so you didn't so, want to toot your horn with the with the 21 nothing on your wedding day, but you're going to toot your horn about a year-old podcast, Andy. <laughs> I yes. think uh, you deserve a hand for that, Andy. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go with pitching again, the theme of the podcast for my end. I think they're going to add a frontline rotation uh, piece to, to complement the, the rotation, someone like a Carlos Rodon, but there's also plenty of guys like Taewon Walker that, that are on the market. And, and I'm going to go a little, as an honorary mention, Craig Kimbrell's going to be a free agent. We saw how successful he was. Is there a reunion there? Possibly if he continues to play. Those are, those are my bold predictions for, for the offseason for the Cubs. Yeah, Kimbrell was on the the roster, the playoff roster here for the Dodgers, which is kind of crazy. I know he didn't have the best season, but, you know, it really uh, finished the season somewhat strong, actually, um, you know, like a 1-6 ERA over his last 18-19 outings. So a little surprising um, there, but yeah, Andy, um, so you're confirming Jacob DeGrom to the Cubs. So when, uh, <laughs> when people listen to this, that's absolutely what they're going to take away is that the Cubs are signing both Trey Turner and Jacob DeGrom based on <laughs> you guys' bold predictions. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, mine is just that the Cubs make a big trade and I'm defining big as impactful. And, you know, I, I guess Scott Efros for Hayden Wesneski is impactful, but I'm thinking more of like acquiring big league talent, like immediately. And um, I think that there's a lot of prospects the Cubs have. And, you know, as we talked about, especially outfield, I, there's a lot of outfielders coming up through the system, you know, Brennan Davis, Alexander Canario knocking on the door and some unproven young talent that like, I could see this being an off season that Cubs package a couple of prospects, maybe that they've been building and, and developing over time and acquiring maybe a frontline starter, maybe a first baseman or a center fielder or somebody else that can be an everyday part of the lineup. Uh, maybe it's, it's Ian Happ that's, that's traded away in a big deal and they acquire some long-term pieces, but either way, I'm, I'm actually expecting a, a trade of note this winter for the Cubs. I think, you know, I love covering trades. I think a lot of people do. It's, it's a really exciting part of the game. So that's what I'm expecting. That's a, that's a bold prediction that I got for you. What do you guys have? Or what do you guys think of that? I should say. I love it. Uh, give me all the trade. Give me after the, the, the off season we went through last year with the lockout. I'm ready for the hot soap season to, to return in earnest. Sounds good. Bruce. I, th I think it's a great idea. I mean, uh, look, uh, I, I personally don't think the Cubs are all that far away uh, from being the Atlanta or the Dodgers. 
you know, there's maybe a few years away from that. But uh, from making these bold moves like you're talking about and going out there and uh, establishing themselves, you know, I think the I think the 39 and 31 in the second half is not all about just beating bad teams. But as you guys both pointed out, you know, beating the Mets, you know, changing the destiny of their season, beating the Phillies, making them fight to even get in the playoffs. And who knows how far they'll go now that they're in. Uh, that That's my point is if you make yourself into a playoff contender, anything can happen this time of year. Look at in the first round of the wild cards, you know, three of the four winners were uh, teams from uh, visiting teams with worse records that ended up uh, making, making it into an upset and uh, they're, they're moving on. So getting into the, uh, getting into the tournament, that's what it's all about. And I think the, the Cubs aren't all that far away from that. Yeah, well said, Bruce. I agree 100%. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. We'll have you covered all offseason for all the hot stove moves. So make sure you tune in here every single week. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Andy and Bruce, I'm Tony, and thank you for listening. Thank you.